The following program contains irreverent humor, brilliant insights, and story elements from television or film that may give away important details. We got spoilers. Or as they say in Klingon, Gumaka. Don't say we didn't warn you. Welcome to What the Track, a new podcast that fabulously goes where no podcast has gone before, as we take a wild look at the stories and ideas from Star Trek Discovery. In Season 1, Episode 2, Battle at the Binary Stars, the Federation is in a standoff with the newly united Klingon Empire. Kapla! <laughs> Commander Michael Burnham communicates telepathically with Sarek, the Vulcan who raised her, and now enlightens her on how to deal with the Klingons by shooting first and making peace later. Convinced this is a matter of life or death, Burnham wrests control of the ship from Captain Philippa Georgiou by giving her the old Vulcan nerve pinch. The captain is a hard woman to keep down, so she comes back and throws Burnham in the brig for mutiny. Is Commander Michael Burnham the victim of the Vulcan school to prison pipeline? Welcome on today's What the Trek, Brian Sweeney, our science officer. Hello. 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 Nice and cold and oh, analytical. Yes. <laughs> You're sort of like half half uh, Spock and half George Takei. So I'm half the fictional character and then the uh, the actor. Well, you you know you like to walk around shirtless and with a sword and stab oh, yes. things. The naked time. Oh, well, they <laughs> wanted me to have a samurai sword, and I said, well, when I was a boy, who I wanted to be was Errol Flynn, so I think that I would run around, pretending to be Robin Hood. <laughs> and Colette Gregory, our ship's therapist. What's up, baby? And social worker, <laughs> who was uh, uh, invited to do this podcast against her best interests, or what? Are they? You were you were worried about doing this podcast because you were felt that it was not a right fit for you, right? Well, I was worried because I am not like a Trekkie from way back, but I am someone who writes about race and social justice and culture um, and feminist issues through a comedic lens, and I'm actually really loving this show, so I think I might be in the right place. Discovery oh. or the podcast? Mm, good question. <laughs> that was a, yeah. She has been on Feast of Fun podcast a couple of times. Ah, so. yes. Well, and, you know, sort of like Martin Luther King Jr. sort of urged Nichelle Nichols to mm-hmm. stay on the show. Mark is urging you, please <laughs> give us another chance. Yeah, I mean, y'all need some melanin in this bitch. So you must I'm go hurt. on face of fun. Well, you know, because Star yeah. Trek Discovery is, you know, it's a diver- it's supposed to be a diverse show, and so I wanted a diverse cast. So I wanted Colette here, and I also needed Brian because he's the nerd and he knows everything. And I also have some gay characters which we haven't seen yet. And Mark that's and me, and yes, <laughs> and I. So I'm the captain of the ship. I'm, I'm the one who uh, sort of like like Janeway actually in Voyager, who knows how to build a ship, how to fix it, 
how to cook in the kitchen. She doesn't know how to cook. How to though. make her coffee black hot. Make it black hot. I, I'm black doing a bunch of things. I, those photos that you guys see of us looking so sexy and fabulous. I took the pictures. I <laughs> recorded the show. I edited it, girl. And then I have to suck my husband's dick over here. Oh, Faust, the first I have to. That's your. I mean, I've been enjoying street. watching it after the shows. <laughs> yeah. So it's a pleasure for you me. You don't even know I'm there except the glow. This isn't your ordinary Star Trek podcast. People, we boldly and fabulously go where no show has gone before, and we mean it. Ooh, the butt nebula. <laughs> <laughs> yes, around Uranus. Ooh, the the that's where those Klingons are hanging out, right? <laughs> yeah, set your phasers on fabulous, honey. Mm. So, so uh, actually, back to uh, to the Vulcan school to prison pipeline here. Uh, no, Colette, you were talking, and you brought up this really fascinating idea, which is that. The idea of emotions, usually in female characters in films and television shows, is assigned with their femininity. It's interwrapped. But in, in Star Trek and with the character of Michael Burnham, her emotions are actually wrapped around her humanity. And it's something that she's wrestling with. Yeah. And watching the show, you know, the, this episode starts off with a flashback uh, seven years ago. And uh, she is deciding uh, our lovely uh, commander is deciding whether or not to come onto the ship. And she has a conversation with the captain and the captain tells her, you know, I need someone like you, someone who was uh, raised amongst Vulcans and who can be less emotional and more rational in their choices. And in watching it, it I really uh, and watching how they both commanded together, I definitely got parallels to Hillary Clinton and things that were said about her during during the election about how she was too robotic and that she was too emotionless, which uh, I've often thought about, like how women have to make that decision to take their emotions out of their presentation in the public sphere so that people can see that they can be leaders just like men, quote unquote. And uh, it was interesting with with her being a, a, a female character that that was so tied to the character, but they decided to take sex out of it and tie that more to the Vulcan identity. And then when Burnham said... Well, I don't know. I may not be Captain Kirk, but you need to boldly go to the polls. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone kind of looked. And she said, now, Gene Roddenberry says, well, that's fine. We can just we can just take care of people. How are you going to pay for it? Vote for me. Twelve fifty minimum wage. That was the weirdest part of Discovery. Yeah, I think I must have slept through through that. Yeah, oh. That part. It was the editing glitch. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did notice, though, which is very interesting, because she decided that the, the Vulcan thing to do was to shoot first and then ask questions later. And I was like, okay, so you just remembered, like, you forgot all about hashtag Black Lives Matter. So we just shooting people first. We shooting this dark race of people first, and we not going to ask questions until afterwards. So uh, well, that's that's that took a long. Long time ago, yeah. though, that was like that would be uh, like bringing up, you know, um, slavery. Yeah. No, the hundred years. <laughs> All right, can so, we stop? Um, it was really you great know. during the show. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, part of it is like you know, uh, what person in 2017 is going to remember uh, of a war that took place 2,000 years ago? No, well, it's, true. Is, is it 2,000 or is it 200 years ago? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Star Trek's yeah. only a couple hundred years into the future. Well, girl, it's going to be like 2,400 something. Yeah. It's 23rd be... century. Oh, yeah. yeah. She says the actual date. It was May 11th, 
something. It was like 2400 something. 20, yeah. 20, uh, we're, we're not, it's century. gonna take a yeah. lot of uh, technology to get us there. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, but that's the thing about that whole yeah. shoot first, ask questions later, and that's kind of the the my big. Uh, problem with this or the thing I'm kind of wrestling with is because we see her as a young child, Commander Byrne, and she's uh, involved in some kind of war and her parents are killed. And Sarek, who's the Vulcan, comes over and he he kind of like heals her. And so what he does is with that, that Vulcan thing is he puts his Katra in here, which is basically... Whoa! Into a child? Into a child. <laughs> that was... <laughs> oh, God. Can you no, explain what right. that is? Because this, some people here that, that, that's inappropriately... Why, <laughs> that's why it wasn't well, on network. Some way, you know what I mean? In some ways, it could be in, in a, vi- a bit of a violation. So basically, he's putting his mind's essence mm, into, into, into her brain. And we've seen this before. You know, when uh, Spock dies at the end of Wrath of Khan, he puts his Katra into McCoy, and then he Remember. They were able to like they were able to put his memories and his his mind into like this this thing that just sprung up on this other planet, and so we have him back, and then we also see an Enterprise uh, Captain Archer. He also is carrying the Katra of somebody else that people have been carrying for like centuries. And Captain Picard, Captain had Picard, Sarix. Well, has, from a mind meld oh, yeah. to help him with his all his Vulcan Alzheimer's. Oh, Jim, so oh. your name. Is true, <laughs> and so we we see that this presence. So it's like, in some ways, it like the, the you you become melded with that personality in some sense, and it and so started uh, driving McCoy insane it, it, in it, Star it, Trek Three, exactly. And so then we see uh, Burnham in this episode. She starts tell like communicating telepathically with Sarek, and she's acting like it's the first time this has ever happened. And so uh, I'm just kind of she's kind of confused by this, and he's just like, I would just you know she, we uh, the Vulcans, the way we handled the Klingons is we shot as soon as we knew that they were violent people, we shot first and then they came to heal. But uh, wait a second. So does that take away her agency? That's not really exactly no. what you're no. kind of misrepresenting. But hold on a second, known. guys, guys. Sarek is bleeding, right? His mm-hmm. his nose mm-hmm. is bleeding, just like you know when you're psychic. And in any movie, yeah. when you're using a lot of psychic energy, Firestarter, with Firestarter, her nose starts bleeding. In Stranger Things, uh, young little seven, mm-hmm. she's uh, eleven. Eleven. 11. Yeah. So one of those numbers. Every every <laughs> single person who's like it's always for whatever reason. Their nose vessel yeah. inside their nose, they get overdrive. Do you have psychic powers, Brian? Do. Yes, you do. do Does I? your nose bleed yes. when you? I have sinus use them? issues. Also, I have yeah, sinus. Like, you would. You think that like sci- people with psychic powers would just carry some toilet <laughs> well, you, you get it. Like, you get it blood? from Primo Coke. So that's <laughs> so, Vulcan Coke. Yeah. So, but Sarek in in, in Discovery, he saying that this is much more than just that other idea. He's actually communicating with her in real time and he's saying this connection is very intense for me and that is why my nose is bleeding. Mm -hmm. She said, how is it possible? A mind meld across a thousand light years? That's literally almost how, like, the line rating. Mm -hmm. It was very clunky. But (laughs) what happened was her parents had died earlier. She was at the Vulcan Learning Center later. (laughs) And then uh, a bombing happened. 
And that's when Sarah came in and was like, hey, wake up, bitch, or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, to a 14-year-old. Yeah, she, she was like, he's like, you're 14. Mm, it's logical. <laughs> and then uh, he starts putting his katra into her. <laughs> and uh, I was like, what am I watching? Because daddy likes. And then I uh, got, I was like, I don't need the seven-day free trial. And I, I just bought the all network. Access, yes, all, all access, All access. Just like. Like this 14-year-old. Oh, Anywho. <laughs> sorry, Mom and Dad. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, sorry to everyone. That's not what happened. The Katra. So he didn't put the Katra in here when the parents died? That came no, later? No, that was when the bombing okay. or what terrorist attack, okay. they said, at uh, the Klingon thing. And uh, so, and it seemed like she was dying because when this happens, she's in the brig mm-hmm. and she, and there's a giant explosion and like a bunch of the decks have been blown up by the fucking Klingons and um, she comes to and it's like wow this is just like what happened last time and they and that's when Sarek appears to her and is like hey what's up I'm in your mind baby and um, <laughs> so uh <laughs> And they're like, yeah, and he's like, you have to, it's, God, what a shitty, it's so stupid. And then they're like, she's like, oh, I, I did what you said. <laughs> and uh, I told I told Michelle Yao, who's my captain, I said, hey, uh, when the Vulcans uh, first met the Klingons, they were like, hello, Klingons. And then they they killed them. The, the Klingons killed the Vulcans. So now whenever they see the Klingons, they just start shooting at them. And the Klingons are like, oh, no, and go away. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's like, yeah, there, it's like if you, yeah. So that's, and they're like, so what you need to do is, uh, kill him. And then, so she's like, okay. And she tells Michelle Yeoh and Michelle Yeoh is like, no, you can't do that. And so she's like, I, I told him. Yeah. And she's like, I told Michelle Yeoh about then. And she said, no, so now I'm in the brig. And then he's like, well, you have to get out and go help people. And he's, she's like, oh, wow. And then she wakes up and then, uh, she somehow, she runs away, runs to the, to the ship or she whatever. She convinces the computer mm-hmm. to let her out because she says, I'm going to die, and you have to use your ethical subroutines mm-hmm. to yeah. let me out. And so she did the shoot through space, which we've seen. In uh, the last episode? Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> Star Trek in the darkness. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the reason why she did that was because Sarek said, oh, you, you better go do something and help them. And then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, wow. Wow, Sarah, I never thought of it that way. And then she woke up and shot herself into space and mm-hmm. then flew away and then helped. I thought it's, it's really amazing that she can actually argue with a computer and win. That's a Kirk move. That's what Kirk does like in, in 80% of the episodes. He's like, And you know what? You computer. don't want to be in a relationship with somebody like that because it's like, <laughs> you'd they be will like, manipulate that little gaslight you forever. Be like, Are you sure you, know? you want to? No. What is love? It's like, yeah, the old, in the ultimate computer, he's like, Computer, and he's like, "I need you to uh, like uh, go to the last decimal of pi." And the computer's like, "I can do that." And he's like, "Now, quick, we have to take it offline." And then he does. And just like in uh, in I Mud, um, they make some of the androids explain by saying, "I'm always lying." Mm-hmm. And then he says, "So." And then he's like, nothing I say is the truth. Everything I say is a lie. Mm-hmm. I'm lying. And then they're like, but if you're lying, you're telling the truth, but you can't tell the truth if you're lying. And then like smoke comes out of his head and it blows up. So yeah, that's I love an you, old. But I don't love yes, you. But I hate you. But we are the same. Illogical. <laughs> so it's revealed that the Klingon ship covers itself with coffins. Because mm. coffins. So goth. It's Hell yeah, like goth. Latin King gang mm. members or something. And so Captain. Uh, 
Captain Yo, what was it? Char Gregor? Gergou? Gergou? She's like, hey, why don't we just put a bomb in one of them and then explode it when it pops it? And then, you know, we get to get the 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 guy who's unifying all of them. We kidnap him and it'll be so humiliating to the Klingons. The war's over. Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Series ends. Thank you for watching. This is also mm-hmm. literally 25 minutes of the entire episode is just this huge battle and just nonsense happening with like what I feel to be like no emotional core, like nothing about it is I didn't care about anything, but also and you can say like, well, it's a pilot. So you knew that like she had to live or whatever, but you can easily make things uh, emotionally resonant when you know that they're if, if people living mm-hmm. does not mean that you that's the only thing like you knew that they were going to live that has nothing to do with it like if that made sense then harry potter like no one would have given a shit up until book 7 and then they would have been scared but it's like no you put people through like the ringer like that's what you do with characters and if they have an emotional if there's something about that that's true you will care about them and not want them to be in danger or to have bad things happen to them or whatever and they can't they just didn't do that they just went into this garbage huge spaceship fight it was of like 40 spaceships just shooting at each other and it was going pew 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 that was how they were shooting which mm-hmm. was weird but yeah it was just the Klingons <laughs> and the beings. Federations and then the Admiral who looked like Anthony Michael Hall came out and was like <laughs> he, was he like did. I'm here now and they're like oh good uh, we're glad you're here Admiral Anthony Michael Hall and he's like yeah uh, I'm here to help everyone because I'm whatever the Admiral that's and Anthony then, Michael Hall from no, Sixteen like, Candles he, he just no. looks like it might Oh, really? I him. thought that was him. It might have been him. Yeah. I thought it looked Shit. like him. No, he's real good. Weedies does a body good. You got to go. That's not him. I got his name right here. Okay. He oh, is getting old, but he looks like Anthony Michael Hall. His, well, the name of the character was Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Terry Serpico is Admiral. Hey, okay. over okay. here. Yeah. Over here. So, he's, what, so Terry Serpico. Yeah. And then. He and yeah. then the Klingon is like, finally, Terry Serpico is here, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing, I'm Terry Serpico?" And then um, he goes, he says, uh, "Now someone that's worthy." And then they're like, "Cool, let's go talk, Klingons, because I'm an idiot, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm really fucking stupid." So I'm Terry Serpico out. And then the Klingon's like, "Watch this," and he goes invisible and puts on his. Uh, oh, because that's the big thing. It's like, mm-hmm. and I then guess they didn't realize the, the Klingons had a cloaking device. Yeah, he has a cloaking device, and then he rams the fucking ship into the other ship. It was fucking stupid, and this has happened. <laughs> So often in Star Trek, where they ram ships into each other, and it is possibly the dumbest thing, like that a person, like, because like, both ships could get destroyed. Yes, and but then of course like, they could, like, you know, the warp core could explode, and then both ships get blown up. Yeah, and they also have photon torpedoes and lasers and all this shit, and it's just like, it's why like, aren't you using them? Yeah, it's like watch this. I'm gonna slowly ram well, a ship. Well, he wanted into to do other. a big show because the the leader of the Klingons wanted mm-hmm. to do a big show for all the other twenty three houses uh, to unite them. He's like, look, I have this amazing power. You have to see it to believe it, and this is his was his demonstration of that power. Why do bombs on any science fiction television show look like toys, executive toys from the Sharper Image? Because 
Be- I think <laughs> you know? it's probably going before this, but I think they're all based on the thermal detonator from Return of the Jedi. When it's like, he's holding a thermal detonator! <laughs> when <laughs> Princess Leia is... Uh, Dressed up as the bounty hunter boss, and then she takes it, and, and, and Hansel's like, "Who's there?" And she goes, <laughs> "A friend." <laughs> With nice, yeah. yeah, but yeah, and like, oh, 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 I know that voice, <laughs> or no, I know that laugh. Um, so she, she, you know, future courts, no matter if they're on, uh, what is it, super on Superman's planet of Krypton. Mm. Or on Earth, in, in the Federation planet, future courts have terrible lighting. They're very minimalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, but the Superman Krypton court had that awesome spinning uh, mirror. Hula hoops. That went do like, boom, boom, boom. And then they put, <laughs> they put Terrence Stamp and the other two inside of it and threw them. And they're like, the we'll never have to worry about them again. And they didn't. Until Superman <laughs> 2, yeah. yeah until or they came out of there. son of Jor-El. Well, what you're talking about is when Michael Burnham is sent to, to uh, I guess they send her, you know, after everything happens, people die, and then they she goes before the court, and so the, it's just dark figures. I think it's just a uh, a cheap way to do it, because you're like, we don't really have to pay these actors much. <laughs> no, probably just yeah. do a voiceover, and it's, you just have heads from the back. I think it's also stuff that just started in, like, the 40s, um with like I don't know Ministry of Fear or something and or the 30s in film and then television when they didn't have budgets and then it was like wow just like uh, noir films and shit mm. it's like we didn't have lights like that's why we took like there's so much shadow shit um, so I think it's just something that carried on from there just like the iconic yellow red blue suits in the uh, original series was because they wanted to sell color televisions they were coming out and they were like let's mm. put the prime colors to show that this is an eye-popping you know and that's why the shows from like the 66 batman and star trek and shit have these popping visuals of that type of shit but yeah i think that that's it there was a lot of the set designs were really good but there was a lot of lens flare that seemed like it was a J.J. Abrams You can't thing. have oh, sure. Star Trek without lens flare. Well, I guess now you can't. There was a lot of Dutch angles also. What do you mean by a Dutch angle? Uh, that's when you uh, slow uh, put it at like a 95-degree uh, oh, like yeah, angle. It's supposed to show that things have gone weird. Um, gone awry. Yeah. Uh, well, the, even that, like the, I think J.J. Abrams eventually like fessed up in an interview saying, like, yeah, I realized now that I had too much lens flare. Yeah. They also do Dutch angles, you know, like Thor, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like the first Thor was all like these Dutch angles. And it's the part of the language of film is supposed to show that that means that the world has gone askew. But they just are like, this looks cool. And so, like, that's why they started doing it. And your brain, when it sees that, is like, oh, things are askew. And you start sort of getting anxious about it because you understand on a cerebral level what that's supposed to signify. But then some people will just misuse it. But, yeah, the Dutch angle started happening once they were kind of fighting with one another. Even though, like, Michelle Yeoh and uh, Walking Dead were, like, sort of fighting the entire episode. Mm. 
it seems. Let's talk about her hair in prison. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's nothing that hasn't most happened importantly, yet. Most importantly, well, I mean, yeah, we did talk yeah. about the, the intergalactic lace front that uh, my girl, Sonoka, was wearing uh, in, in, in the first episode and in the second episode. And, you know, the whole time watching that, I was like, okay, this is a strong black woman. I'm very surprised that she doesn't have natural hair. Also, like, who has a beautician on this ship? And it's a beautician who can do black hair. Like, so many questions. <laughs> It's the future. So many questions. Yeah, Star Trek in the future, beauticians can do black hair. Next generation Everybody. had that barber, that yeah, Bolian barber, the blue guy with the yeah. seam down his face. Yeah, oh, I wish it was the future. Now, um, you know, it we'll is. get into it. We'll get into it. It is. But, <laughs> now it is again. Yeah. Now it is again. Now it is again. But it's interesting that uh, once she is arrested, and we saw the previews uh, for the upcoming shows. In prison, and uh, you know, on the new ship that it looks like she's going to be on, she now has natural hair, and I'm like, what that mean? You know what I mean? Because you're saying it's kind of it's kind of racist to, to show her as like when she's down and out, mm-hmm. and when she's going to jail, she's mm-hmm. got the natural hair. Yeah, and so it's kind of saying the natural hair is less than it. It it did seem to me that like uh, on on a subconscious level that that's what they were trying to say. It'll be interesting if she does like take uh, some type of if she reascends to to. Uh, commander or captain levels will she keep that hair will that hair then be associated with you know her power and maybe her black power i well, don't know you know on walking dead i'm pretty much pretty sure the whole because she was on for like three or four seasons right it seemed like she was on there for quite a while and she always had natural hair that I yeah remember. so that was a choice that they made obviously mm-hmm. for but of for course you know show. well it's doing your show. hair in this day and age during a zombie apocalypse might mm-hmm. be quite different you true know? true so true. you wanted to like show her power get like and Dorian relaxer. <laughs> you're like, now I'm a real woman or whatever. Um, but like, uh, I think it's just um, mm-hmm. in the same way that if it was a man, mm-hmm. they would have him grow a beard and have straggly hair. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, yeah, but obviously it, it makes sense that the next day that like her, like what happened? Did they, when you get to prison, do they take your lace front out? Are they going to show that? I think they on do. The show, I like, don't know. Them cutting out the lace front. They're like, probably going to show that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I would the, like to see that episode where they remove her lace front. The future of like spreading, <laughs> yeah. spreading the butt cheeks and coughing and everything. <laughs> His lace front. <laughs> like, what is this? She's got like heroin and condoms up there. And she's like, what happened to you? And he's like, oh, it's well, like the well, night of. Let's look at uh, black women in all the Star Trek movies and let's TV shows. Let's look at those. Like Amon in Star Trek Six. Yeah. She had flawless hair. What and was her hair? She fucked Kirk. Mm-hmm. And she McCoy said, turned into a McCoy, giant monster. Yeah, right? McCoy goes, what is it with you? <laughs> He's like, oh. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, she had kind of a bouffant. Mm-hmm. But, but it was very yeah. 60s. It was a very, yeah. 60s, a very 60s, 60s wig, beehive wig. But and to this day, she keeps that hairstyle on her everyday life. No. Like, no. 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 She's, no. Well, she's I mean, like when In the movies, like. <laughs> she's sober. Oh, 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 you're talking. No, I meant her the hair. The hair. Oh, you're no. talking about Zoe Saldana? No, no. I'm talking about Nichelle Nichols. Like, and, and, you know, we have the, the original series, Nichelle Nichols, right? Mm-hmm. Uhura. And then when they it's started making the. The same hair, yeah. When they started making the movies, yeah. In motion pictures, she had a close cut uh, afro. Yeah, but also, too, if you ever saw her on like Heroes, because she was a grandma on Heroes and she had like a much different hair, it was kind of, uh, you know, but but it's probably not real. It's probably like not real hair, also. Like, it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's all wigs. This is Hollywood, baby. Mm. Then there's Zoe Saldana, um, who, you know. um, Oh, she's not, she just says she's not black. 
She said she's, she not, black. She not black. She said she's not black. She, oh, she's Latina? I'm mm. not black. You've heard OJ. this idea mm. in, in Latin America about the... Unless she's, you know, filming as uh, Nina, uh, Simone. Nina Simone, then she black. But, you know, before but you, you that... You know this concept of uh, the 1%? Oh, of course, of course, and yes. What, explain to the listeners what that 1% That if you means. have one drop of black blood in you, that that then makes you black. And so in Latin America, mm-hmm. it's the opposite of that. Hmm. If you have 1% white blood in you, you're not black. Hmm. And so no matter how dark your skin is you're or welcome. what your heritage is, mm-hmm. you're, you're la- not black. You're Latina. And you're Latina. And mm-hmm. so in, in terms of like organizing and fighting and identifying for civil rights mm-hmm. through Brazil, through Puerto Rico, through Central America, it's been really, really difficult because nobody ever wanted to say, I am black. Mm-hmm. I am a, a minority of any kind. And it's interesting if you, uh, uh, you know, if, I, I forget what the numbers were, but if you are, if you talk to people in Puerto Rico about whether you're black or not, very few people identify mm-hmm. on the island and whether they're black. But once they uh, emigrate mm-hmm. to mainland United States, uh, they might, they often change that. Mm-hmm. They'll say, yes, I am black because mm-hmm. they realize that it's a much different dynamic here. Mm-hmm. Is your family, is everything Okay. Like, is your family um, You know, yeah, actually. I, mean, I know yeah. nothing is okay. Well, we're lucky because Fausto, you know, Fausto's family lives in Puerto Rico, and uh, his niece, yeah. who we really care about, she got out before the hurricane. and uh, her She boy, was going, like, on a vacation or something. No, no, she, nope. like, she scrambled she saw it to get coming. A, she scrambled to mm-hmm. get a ticket. You got to pay attention to your family, honey. Mm-hmm. She just <laughs> scrambled to get a she, she ran after a, a taxi with, Somebody like, Somebody knows. Uh, you know, and then her boyfriend didn't get out, but, he, you know, he's, you know, he's young 20-something, he, mm-hmm. and so he, uh, he actually doesn't, he might spend the night here tomorrow night. I'm not sure if he'll be sleeping in my bed or in Fausto's mm. bed. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but because uh, he people are get fleeing out, the island right you now. Know? But Fausto's older. Right. The brothers and sisters are all kind of older, and they've lived through some really bad hurricanes. Not a category five, but certainly categories uh, threes and fours. A right? A bunch of hot Latino men are just flooding into America now. Yeah, they're le- uh, lady bunnies. The like, hey, Christmas. And, you know, if you have, if you have, uh, if you can get out, if you can fly out, a lot of people are because they're just like, I can't work, I can't do anything. Well, no, there's no electricity yeah. still. Yeah. It's it's pretty bad. I I don't think you know. And just to, we're getting sidetracked, but just to say it really fast, the biggest problem that Puerto Rico faces is not the fact that we have don't have electricity, or even our our money issues. It's really one of political leadership. Both in Puerto Rico and in the United, and in the mainland United States, the fact that Republicans, the fact that some American politicians and a lot of Americans don't even think of Puerto Ricans as American citizens, there's a huge problem. Like, try if you're a Puerto Rican applying for a loan in the United States and you have your birth certificate says that you're from Puerto Rico. When I ever did a, bought this apartment that we're living in right now. Um, they were like, uh, we don't do loans to foreign you know, mm-hmm. applicants. You're not an American citizen. And I was like, I'm arguing with a bank that I'm not an American citizen. Well, it's you should have argued with a person That's, in the bank. Oh well, the person in the not bank. Not at the bank. <laughs> See, this is what we do oh in America, God. Fausto. In America, we talk so to this people. Is, this is the kind of issues that we're, you know, that Star Trek sort of brings up is, is the idea of uh, citizenship, of belonging to a federation of autonomy of agency and colonization colonization and you know helping out when things go horribly horribly wrong are we the federation to you the Klingon I feel like (laughs) of all the characters in Star Trek I relate to most is Belana Taurus who's half Klingon and half human and uh, part of it is this you know because a lot of issues in my own uh, heritage I've not necessarily been very fond of 
And there's a lot of uh, discrimination and bigotry and short-sightedness and superstition um, that is inherent in, in Puerto Rican culture that, like Belana Torres with her Klingon heritage, uh, we both felt like we were, were we struggled because we were felt we were somehow being unloyal, that we were bad Klingons by determining our own identities. And what I'm really excited to see in Star Trek Discovery, because we have a black human, there's not, there's not all these metaphors, and she's also grown up as a Vulcan. So she's determining, and we say this a lot, is your identity is for you to create, for you to shape, is for no one else to tell you what Unless it is. Unless they give you a mind melt. And then, <laughs> and so, then what? So is Sarek pulling the strings? Is he? Uh, is this? Is this writer's decision robbing her character of Michael um, to have her own autonomy as, as a strong female lead? Mm. Because you know this is a very different character than Janeway in Voyager, mm-hmm. in the sense that she's she's somebody who's struggling. Mm-hmm. She's somebody who's. Who's you know all well, hell is broken loose mm-hmm. in her life. Her she's writ, hit rock bottom in the beginning of the series. Mm-hmm. Well, in many ways, she's kind of the Spock character or the Data's character. She's she's somebody who or Seven of Nine, where she's like, I'm this, but I also want to be human. I want to, or I want to be more Vulcan. I want to become my own person. I'm wrestling with my humanity. I think that she's different than all of those in a sense of because. In, when they showed the flashback at the beginning of the episode of her first meeting with Michelle Yeoh, um, it se- and this could have just been because of the order of filming, maybe they just filmed that first, she seemed to be much more Vulcan and logical and more of like a dick in the way that Vulcans often come across as just dicks because no tact. Yeah, yeah because they're just logic and then, mm-hmm. so they don't understand they don't use like social niceties or right. whatever they're on the spectrum so, mm-hmm. yes so <laughs> but then it's when they were then showing more present day or whatever you want to call it um it seemed that she was walking more of a line that there was more of a balance between the klingon aspect that you could see her doing but she wasn't overdoing it in the way that a lot of Vulcans do on Star Trek or the actors or actresses on Star Trek where they do this weird robotic. They either seem to be blank or assholes. And like that's almost always what and that's why like there's a bit of warmth to her. It's very saying. hard to do what Leonard Nimoy did. Mm-hmm. Like it's impossible to play the character and somehow have it with warmth. It's just it's very very hard to have a guy who isn't supposed to have emotions. And she seems to be more so of like Star Trek 6 where Spock has gotten to a point where he's able to be both human and or use the human section when it's logical but she seems more like she's both like she can do she can code switch uh vulcan and human and she is mostly human but she also has that vulcan sort of accent Mm -hmm. you can tell and be like were you raised on vulcan because i can hear it coming out like in your o's or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's that's uh colette you you grew up in in a vulcan school (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty 
much. I mean, I in grew some up. Regard. Yeah, so I am African American, but I grew up in very elite private schools in uh, Los Angeles, and so I, I understand the the whole idea of being like a black woman and code switching, and uh, you know, having one language that you use at school and another language that perhaps you use at home or in your community. And I think it'll be interesting to see because she's had first her you know her birth parents die, and then she's had her surrogate parents die to an extent uh, or leave her so her surrogate parents being in and Zarek who we now see with the the you know signature bloody no- nose when uh, you know he is mind melting with her and then we see uh, the commander Jerju I'm probably butchering that uh, dying as well so she's had these two people that have sculpted her and she got her more emotional side from from the captain um, and so it, it'll be interesting to see how that develops throughout the course of the series, which side she'll choose, uh, in which instances she'll have to, you know, depend on on either sides. One of the things that uh, we didn't talk about was when she got from um, from from Zarek to tell them to like just to, to shoot him up to to shoot the Klingons on sight, and then they didn't follow through with what she said, and then everything went to shit. If they had just shot him down, it would have been over with. And um, I've seen like a lot of conjecture online, and I definitely have the same feeling of black women after the election being like, we told y'all, you know, 94% of black women voting for Trump. And then afterwards being like, okay, this is what you get. We tried to warn you. And it's been interesting. So you're like, saying like diamond, diamond and Silk on YouTube oh, are not an anomaly? <laughs> uh, well, the ones telling you not to vote for Trump is what we're saying. The black woman, the 94% oh, of black oh, so women. Oh, said do not vote for Did him. not vote for Trump. Okay. We voted for Hillary. Yeah. yeah. So, so those people like, uh, it's, here's something like, uh, from an article. Like, uh, Brown leader tells Admiral Brett Anderson that it's it's unwise to confuse race with the culture when debating with the best course of action for engaging on the Klingon ship. Black girl nerds and online community for women of color tweeted that the theme of the first two episodes was listen to black women as Burnham struggled to get the crew to recognize the best way to deal with the impending battle. What's yeah. that from? Uh, this is from uh, an article from Vice, and then it has lots of tweets where you know black women were like, had a picture of her being like, "I'm trying to save you," and it's 94 percent of black women during last year's presidential elections mm. with a hashtag on fleet, which I think is hilarious. Like on fleet. <laughs> if you were uh, Michael Burnham's social worker, because she's now in prison. <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! What advice would you want to give her? Ooh, I would tell her to keep your head down, lay low, you know, like don't follow the rules. I would tell because you know she came at her commander. Hey, you're the man. <laughs> I'm not the man. Mm. I'm there to help her out. So she pitched her commander and like knocked the old girl out. So going against the rules didn't help. But I would also tell her to like let everybody know that you're smart. You know, let them know what your unique strengths are, and when the time comes, they will have to depend on you. Like Shawshank, she mm-hmm. could exactly. she could just be doing everyone's taxes. Exactly, Shawshank it, bitch. That's what Star Trek Discovery is going to be. That's yeah. what all Shawshank that, yeah, yeah, it's just Shawshank. her doing taxes. Shawshank and on space, girl. So that's what I tell her. And how do you crawl out of the sewer pipe? She already been flying out of out of spaces and Michael all. Bunn. So she <laughs> already been practicing. Three miles she of shit. She just be sailing through anyway. She be. Uh, so, uh, so future courts have terrible lighting. Uh, you know, she needs a Shawshank redemption, her way out of prison. <laughs> her hair is going from combed and nice and straight to natural. Mm-hmm. Where's where's the where's the rest of the crew? It's like it's really hard to talk about 
the everybody else in in these first two episodes. Well, we haven't been introduced to a lot of people because yeah. she, she's not on the ship that where she's that the show's named after Discovery. You know, Captain Lorca. For some reason, we see in the previews for uh, episode three is he somehow recruits her. Uh, he rescues her from prison in some way. I'm not really sure how because she happens. can do one, one thing. thing that no one else can do. Oh, What's that, that thing we know? with her tongue. <laughs> with her tongue. <laughs> yeah. She can... Because mm, she's Vulcan. She um, knows the na- just not the nerve pinch. Well, yeah, why do you think the nerve. dudes get crazy during Palm Far? All those nerves getting pinched? Yeah, all those yeah, balls. <laughs> um, now, that's the thing about Vulcan. So is it like, do they only get horny? Oh, you think she only fucks seven times? No, seven, she's every human. seven she's years? She's got the biology of a yeah, human. Yeah, but what if she was raised that way? Man, <laughs> oh, maybe Sarah that Cotter Sarah- Cotter fucked her up. She had her period, and Sarah was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, gross. Like, and Spock, he's like, Spock, deal with this. And he's like, no, not logical. And he runs away. <laughs> that's why, maybe that's why. Sarek married a, a woman, a human, to have more sex. No, because he had to have someone to deal with, like training bras and periods and stuff. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this shit. I think he was he was already married to uh, Amanda before he was. He had more. to be Spock yeah. uh, in original series. Like, so this is ten years before. So Spock, I think, is like forty or fifty at this point. Because mm. yeah, but, I think he's twenty six in the in the period of this show. Oh, but so mm. I think that's right around the time he entered Starfleet. Well, because I don't. I think that he's older than. Jane. Oh, yeah. he has to be older than Kirk because he served uh, with Captain Christopher Pike. Anyway, um, what I was going to say about uh, the theme of the the themes of the episode are very much outcasts, mm-hmm. which obviously, like almost every show and movie and whatever stuff is, but. Everyone is an outcast in the thing. And also she says uh, in her terribly read uh, first officer log that all life is born from chaos and destruction. She says that in the first uh, in the first episode. Mm -hmm. But that's I mean, that's a big theme also of how like everything turns like becomes chaos. And from that springs something. So even. Yeah. So, th- so even though this life, this what happens to her, this has been destroyed. She will will have a new life. Well, this, this would be ship. yeah. This would but be the third time. It looks like she's gonna time. have to like you know we're, we're seeing like images of her with Saru and like he's like you're like you're you're not to be trusted. Yeah, you know, I don't like you. You you fucked shit up. Yeah, yeah. you blew up the ship. No, she's the one who was like, let's go explore. Let's set off this trap. Let's start. She was like every and he's single. Like, no, 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 no. He's like, and now he has to serve a ship with. Her. And now Rain Wilson comes in as Harry Mudd. Mm. Um, but Speaking of outcasts, can we talk about the um, light-skinned dude? I mean, the um, albino uh, Klingon. Yeah, uh, I'm really fascinated <laughs> by him. There's a history of albinos and uh, Klingons, too. Al- the albino killed, yeah, in Deep Space Nine, and they have a blood debt. He's known as this murderer who, like, killed the wives or the sons or something of Kor Kolos and Koloth, I believe. Uh, but yeah, that's and he's just known as the albino. And these were four Klingons that were actually three, pl- three Klingons that were actually played in the original series. Yes, and they and the actual actors, the one of the actors, William Campbell, I believe Bill his name Bol- is. Bolander played the yeah, albino. One of the Klingons also played the Squire of Gothos, Trelane. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Are you challenging me to a duel? And some people think he might be a, a Q, right? 
Yeah, in the uh, in the book Q Squared, written by Peter David, he was like the nephew of Q or something. Okay. So, w- what's your question about the albino? Uh, well, I'm interested Sorry. to see if like his development is going to parallel her development. Because um, he's know, an outcast. Because yeah. he's an outcast as well, and he had really like made himself kind of uh, the 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 go to guy for uh, the leader of the Klingon who was leading the the fight with uh, the fleet. And so when he left, he the when the Klingon guy Takumva 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 uh, he's the martyr he's the he's the hero he's the the he Kalos he was who was paralleling um, Kalos Michael Burnham Burnham's character mm-hmm. like they kept it like the flashbacks and all that shit and like yeah, like he didn't fit in and he wanted to make his dad proud or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then when he died, he said to the the albino guy, he said, uh, you only live now to serve as a witness to, of Klingon supremacy. And so it felt like to an extent that he was passing on his legacy to him. So I'm curious to see if those two are going to meet later on in the series and have a battle as he defends, uh, you know, the honor of this mm-hmm. guy who's now been made a martyr. And, you know, he was an albino. He was an outcast. Uh, I think they referred to him as like the son of no one. So mm. perhaps he also was uh, an orphan as well. He's from the house of none, but that could also most likely be just the Klingons. He, since he was the runt of the litter or whatever, mm. they just threw him aside to die. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I would. I he uh, has to be he's gonna definitely be the coming be the back. Yeah. But also, like you can't blow up all the ships from the houses of the Klingon and then just be like there now we don't have to worry about it it's like yeah well we're getting into the Klingon Federation war but I don't know like it's weird like why why are all Klingons just assholes like except for Star Trek 6 when like Christopher Plummer's character is like oh we love eating snails or like eel and shit why is that that sort of a Viking sensibility seen as antithetical to the Federation I understand like you want to like have some like you know like you want them not to be every enemies to be bad yes like no redeeming oh. quality uh, well yeah like what I mean is like I understand like the Federation and the Klingons especially when Praxis blows up in Star Trek Six but like becoming friends quote unquote but it's an uneasy alliance and always is but like I don't I don't know like why is every Klingon just a fucking asshole. Like, why aren't there any Klingons that are Have you like ever met a Klingon? Oh god, yeah. I, I went to school with a lot of Klingons. Actually, my brother married. Mark a and I actually we uh, through this podcast we interviewed uh, Christopher Kidder, mm-hmm. who does organizes the Klingon Christmas Carol here he in Chicago. It, he wrote it, but I, I think he's uh, has he, he, he like other people have produced it since. Well, he's back and back at it. Oh, he's doing it, and they're season? doing it again in November. So I oh. reached out to him and getting him involved in this mess <laughs> called "What the Track." Uh, <laughs> and that was fun. Faust and I did a. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of lines in it at the uh, at the festival at the, at the, when they, the Christmas. What was it? The Festival of Light or whatever the something high holiday. like that. Yeah, and and, and they actually yeah. do it all in. Klingon. It's an entire show, and it just sounds like, you know, after an hour of that, it sounds like people are just clearing their throats mm-hmm. for quite some time. It's interesting to see the new Klingon in Discovery, which feels very much more like a language, as opposed to just, you know, 
Americans going. <laughs> well, I don't think we've ever heard like this much Klingon before, have we? It's very uh, foreign dialect mm-hmm. heavy, and and part of it is next to I think is it Klingon or Esperanto? Klingon, Klingon, I believe, is the most widely spoken um, artificial language. Yeah, the, the which reason, is remarkable. But it's like a lot of things with this show, but mostly just the Klingon stuff. It was that's Game of Thrones influence. It's the Dothraki. Uh, long talks of different mm. languages mm. Of, of Dothraki and the Klingons and like the Klingons coming together and talking about gods and shit like that or calling each other lords and the way that they were speaking was very Dothraki and very Game of Thrones-esque. And you were saying uh, before we were recording that you see a lot more uh, uh, influence of Game of Thrones on this series. Yes, what else definitely. Have you seen? I, I, it sounded like the music that they were playing during some of the Klingon scenes kind of sounded like the theme song to Game of Thrones. The no, white, no, no, no. the White Walkers <laughs> look so much like mm-hmm. the Klingons that mm-hmm. it is weird, and mm-hmm. the, even the outfits and all that shit. But whatever. It, it, Game it, of are Thrones. the Klingons racist? Or, or, I mean, the way they're drawn, the way they're it's, 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 it's the idea is like African American features. You know, it, it's kind of a racial slur to some degree. Because of the wide noses. The wide noses, the darker skin. They're making them darker. They're making them um, snarling. And yeah. They're supposed but, to be Asian. I thought they were more um, supposed to be based upon uh, Vietnamese. I'm, but I'm, what I'm seeing here, I mean, Colette, what, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about this? Well, yeah, I I always take issue when um, the bad people are painted as, as black, as dark, as when evil or bad things are associated with, with black. And that happens throughout, you know, cultural history. Mm, not Dr. Jacoby and Jacoby. Is that? Never mind. What? Jacoby. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I think the, it's unfortunate that they went in this direction and it's really sort of like pulling from the film. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I would have liked to have seen one thing that I felt that was really interesting about the Klingons is that they came in all sort of shapes and colors mm-hmm. and sizes. And now they've sort of homogenized them so much that. The albino is this, you know, it stands out. Stands well, out. I think like that's going to be interesting because we're going to have this the the black commander in uh, Michael Burnham possibly going against this white albino mm-hmm. Klingon, and so it's going to be switching that idea of, of good as as uh, black and then bad as white. So uh, mm. that was that's also possibly something they did on purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though the you know Klingons at first were were all dark, the person who might rise to power mm-hmm. might be yeah. white in color. And you know it, it'll be interesting to see because like we see like what the um, you know the original series and then the movies they didn't really make peace with the Klingons until like Clark, you know uh, Kirk was an old man. But you know are we dealing with that same timeline? Will we see? peace in like the next couple of seasons no because no. they didn't make peace until star trek six yeah but we have a different timeline now don't we not no we don't they they haven't made clear they said that it's not the kelvin timeline they said it doesn't so take place the in one. the movies the move this is a cbs production okay. the movies are a paramount pictures production oh. it's all this is why also it was so hard to get Star Trek onto television. Again? Yeah, and it took a long time. And J.J. Abrams actually complained about this. He said because, like, the rights were... Like, he wanted to go into different media and stuff with Star Trek and use it for all, like, that the fans wanted and, like, Mm -hmm. have an actual push. And they couldn't do it because 
of these stupid corporations and how it's split into two, the CBS and Paramount Pictures. Uh. So the Kelvin timeline, I think that they're going to do... They're going to do a thing, what I assume, is if this works out, they're going to have a thing where it's kind of both, but neither at the same time. Like, they're allowed to just go where they want, but also bring in who they want Mm -hmm. and have, like, flashbacks to whatever in a lot of the kind of the way that... uh, Battlestar Galactica, but I think with Star Trek, since it's such, since it's like the biggest franchise ever, um, they didn't want to just say, yeah, this is a re whatever, because, and also it's confusing with the movies. It's, sure. It's all fucking confusing. Like the only thing you can do with Star Trek now is either go with the movie Calvin timeline or just throw everything away. Do whatever you want to. It's a TV show. Yeah. We'll That's what it. Brian Fuller wanted. He wanted it to be more of an anthology series that could sure. go around. But uh, Moving forward, what would you guys want to see from Star Trek Discovery that hasn't made, hasn't shown up yet? I mean, they've done the Vulcan neck pinch. They've done the Live Long and Prosper. They've done the start Walk Around the Desert mm-hmm. to create the Star Trek uh, and saying that these little Delta, Easter eggs, these yeah. little things that happen. All those Easter eggs. What is one aspect of the show that you really loved in, you know, especially in uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager? The that, original series. And in the original series. <laughs> but I feel like those three shows kind of, you know, are like a set. Um, you know, there, Kirk and Spock Enterprise are Kirk is and one Spock. generation, and, and the original series is another generation. And then. Deep Space Nine, Voyager. Well, and, we're going to get some of that. We're going to have like yeah. a, a recurring. Uh, Harvey Mudd's going to come back, so maybe we'll see more characters like that. I'll call it Phantom Mudd. And so we'll, maybe we'll see some of that, or maybe they'll go to like some of those uh, planets that like nobody's ever seen before, and like uh, like oh, this was tracked in this thing at this back then, and we never heard about it. The planet where people are like half black and half white. <laughs> and then they're, they're fighting against the other ones who are half white and half black. <laughs> they're about to destroy the world. You remember that episode? Let that be your last battlefield. It's one half is black and one half is white on each face. Or where uh, Kirk and Uhura are forced to play kiss those stepchildren. It's the first interracial, scripted interracial kiss on television. And I guess the, the way that uh, he got to do that was because he fucked up all the other takes. That's what or, he says. I don't know if it's Or he just fucked up all the takes normally and he said ah I'm doing this for I think he was like I'm gonna fucking kiss Michelle Nichols I have a boner he gets to kiss Michelle Nichols yeah uh, one thing that I'm looking forward and I'm hoping they bring this because it's when with these with these types of serialized television you can never have the zinger at the end the joke the the (laughs) you know the the little quips that they have that before the credits roll yeah for, you, you know, can't for, have it or you, you can't It's harder to do it because it's, you know, setting up the cliffhanger for mm-hmm. the next episode to hook you, to bring you back in. There's no, like, closure at the end of the episode. You just want camp. Which yeah, because, I want, like, yeah. you know, at the it's end of... It's why you like Voyager. At the end it's of Voyager, you, for example. It's, it's why everything is, like, Voyager-specific with you because you can't watch the other... Because Voyager is just... It's kind of like the bright, at the end of Voyager when, when, you know, the captain says, Seven, I want you to come into my ready room. 
Captain, why do they call this your ready room? Because I think you're ready for your first Borgasm. <laughs> Resistance is futile, seven. <laughs> You're ready for a six of nine. <laughs> uh, Colette Gregory. I oh, I, I would like. Okay? I would oh, like. Wonderful. I would like. <laughs> I would like to see uh, characters that I give a shit about. Like and you don't really care about, but Groda loves them over time, don't you think? Or no? I would hope so. It's always a train wreck in the first couple of episodes, just like this podcast. The first whole seasons of things are terrible. You've told me this many times. Yes, but this is a streaming show, so like I'm sure that this is all like they already have all of them in the can. They're all in the can. I'm sure all fifteen. But like even like if you look at like Next Generation, you don't really like the first season, do you? No, God, no. It's you're unwatchable. Season four. Three is where it really Three is where it's up. The, so but, would you be willing to give Discovery uh, oh, you know, yeah, three seasons? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely, like, I bought the CBS. Look, it's Star Trek. Right. I'm going to watch fucking Star Trek. Like, I'm good. Any Star Trek is good Star Trek to me. But, like, there's a lot of stuff, like, I enjoy. But, like, because it's Star Trek. So I, so I can't Why say. Why do you like it? Because it's Star Trek. So I can't say, like, so, like, yeah, it gives me, like, a, he likes Star Trek. a happy feeling or whatever. And so, but I can recognize, like, this episode was boring to me. I hated the fact that it just became this giant space battle. Sure. I hope that, I, I know that it's impossible, but I would like it if there were no more space battles for the rest of the season. I would like it if they actually made characters you cared about. And I would, I feel like things like Breaking Bad say mm. they didn't. You don't need to have giant things happening when you make characters you care about and put them right. in situations, and you are interested. And you're like, holy shit, there's no way they can get out of this. And then you, they show it, and you're like, holy shit, like that was suspenseful or whatever. It is a billion times more effective than a bunch of spaceships shooting at each other and blowing up. I'm going to agree. Uh, I, I'm hoping that they get more into uh, the personalities of characters. I'm hoping that there are more groundbreaking characters. So I would like to see, you know, LGBTQ people, you know, people across the gender spectrum. Um, you know, Star Trek is known for, for being innovative and um crossing, uh, you know, cultural boundaries that weren't done before. So I'm hoping that they do that. And uh, while I enjoyed the first two episodes, it was very much kind of like a Marvel movie, which I'm usually not into because it's just like action, 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 action. And I'm like, who are these people? Why do I care them? Why are they fighting? Like, what's going on? And OK, who is he? And like, what happened before? And blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to actually know the characters. And I think that that'll really help getting, you know, women into it a little bit more. Um, you know, you have this exciting opportunity with an African-American female leader. So let's get more into her backstory and let's see how she interacts with these people uh, in prison and in the new uh, spaceship that she gets in. The Discovery. Uh, The Discovery, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you said, like, groundbreaking uh, characters and stuff, because, you know, having gay people on here for Star Trek, it is groundbreaking because it's the first queer people that they had. Star Trek Beyond. You know? Star Trek Beyond was the first. Uh Yeah, they uh, they held hands. But this oh, yeah. is the, they're having but actual is, sex. That was scenes. also very coded too, right? Sulu was married with a kid. They were like, "That's my husband," he didn't and they say had a that kid. Was my husband. They they're like, "Oh, I'm meeting my family." I'm meeting my family. Like it my husband, been his brother. It was a pal. We have no they, idea. They, have he no dropped idea. to his knees and started sucking his dick. Okay, that was, that was the porn. Oh. No, that was but right I'm in front saying, of my salad. You know, oh, right. you know, listen. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was hoping that would come up. But like, they could have done it in the eighties. You know, we've had gay characters. They could have done it on Voyager. We've had gay characters on television since they tried two thousands, and it's like it's it's never worked for them. The writers supposed to be. I want gender queer. I want. There's supposed to be. I think Lieutenant Don Knotts is like a gender. (laughs) There's a gender thing. They. I mean, the Outcast episode of Next Generation was a was as close it was supposed was to be that the that gender was, neutral people yeah the, where they, they were all both from one Riker falls in love with a gender neutral yeah. person gender from a planet Riker still scored and then they, they mate by inseminating husks or something like hell that hell yeah yeah That's but they're all played by women they're all played by women yeah, and, and, and most of them are probably already transitioned. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> most of the actresses that played those those characters. Oh my are god, they're terrible. No, well, it, it was. They an were inter- very gender neutral. Well, part of it is like I think. You know, sometimes with Star Trek and all those shows, you know, the allegories can be really fascinating and gripping. But you know, sort of like reruns. They don't always hold up. Mm. Also, like, some of the best episodes are just fun, like Trouble with Tribbles or, like, Yesterday's Enterprise or, like, any, like, there's a lot of, like, good, like, just time travel episodes. Like, you don't have to have, like, with Star Trek, it has become this huge thing of, like, all they did was sit there and talk about politics. And that's almost nothing about Star Trek. Like, a lot of it is just science fiction. There are a lot of ethical questions that come up that are just interesting. But it's not as much as, like, the Twilight Zone would talk constantly about, like, Vietnam and racism and shit like that. But, like, a lot of it is just fun. And I didn't think that this was fun. I thought there were parts of it that were fun, but it became so rote and just by the numbers that when that this entire last episode, like, Best of Both Worlds Part 1. The Next Generation episode. Where can you explain for people who are not too familiar with what you're talking about? Picard becomes a Borg. Captain Picard gets it's the first the Borg engages them and like we have engaged the Borg. He becomes Lucius of Borg. Lucius of Borg and like he gets taken. But in part one, which is better than part two, like big shit doesn't happen. It's all just like suspense and scary and like really good actors. Mm. But like it's Patrick Stewart and I understand that. But like you can have. A lot of this, like Mad Men, fucking Mad Men, man. Nothing happened. They didn't blow anything up in <laughs> Mad Men. You don't need that. Yeah. And so that's what I would like to see. Mad Men in outer space with well, aliens. The first season's already in the can, so you might not get it this season. Maybe I give next this season. one and a half oh warp nacelles <laughs> out of five. I give it two Broussard collectors. I give this a warp factor of 9.79. Ooh, of that five? might turn you into an f- amphibian. I'm giving it a three and a half because she had natural Whoa. hair in the previews. That was ex- <laughs> the preview. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward scale. to seeing I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing her actually mm-hmm. on the Discovery. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually, you know. Because it's going to be a much sleeker ship. And, the, mm-hmm. the Shenzhou was like an old, old decrepit ship. So this will be open and bright. And and what Colette was saying about wanting uh, LGBT, LGBTQ and more uh, diverse uh, crew members, they just blew up that ship. Mm-hmm. So I think, and Brian Fuller, like, is he's behind Hannibal and pushing daisies and all that shit. And mm-hmm. he's super gay. And he's all about this shit. All about all about this this oh, whole shit. LGBT <laughs> crap you guys are all about um, all that queer whole queer stuff oh whole, whole queer stuff uh, and so I think that um, 
once we actually get with the crew that we are most likely going to be spending mm-hmm. the season with, uh, we'll be seeing a lot more of those characters, which was which is a lot better than being like, hey, look, it's two guys that are married, bloom, and like they die. Like, and I think that that would be another thing that we would be like. Well, do you know this that they did that and this mm-hmm. the one woman who had natural hair blew up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's another reason why like it's tough to judge this for everything. So mm-hmm. as we keep going, perhaps hopefully we'll fabulously like, go like like more so boldly go. Boldly split infinity. This is what the track podcast, honey. We fabulously go forward. Oh. Okay. Boldly mo. That's called popping your tongue. <laughs> I want to thank Colette Gregory, our our communications officer. It's been my pleasure. Hashtag on fleet. And uh, people can follow you on social media. They can at Coco Therapy, C-O-C-O-A underscore therapy on the Twitter. Yes. And Facebook and all this stuff. Yes, Colette Gregory on Facebook. Look me up. Follow me. Uh, Mark never updates his Twitter account ever. Oh, so ever. don't follow him there. Sometimes I do on a feast of fun. You do. <laughs> Four or five times a year. Uh, but actually, I maintain uh, the feast of fun uh, in a Twitter account. So if you guys ever thinking about something thing or want us to bring up a topic in uh, in what the track this is a, sp- a different podcast you can actually subscribe to it by itself if you don't if you like what we're doing with Brian and Colette and and uh, this sci-fi show but Feast of Fun is not you know it's too um for you. Too intellectual. <laughs> uh, maybe, too off the rails. May, too off the rails. Maybe, you know, What the Trek is more your your speed. Um, you can get What the Trek just by itself as its own podcast. Just search What the Trek or our feed, feeds.feedburner.com slash Feast of Fun slash What the Trek. Yeah, and let us know, like, what you would like. Sci-fi, sorry, sci-fi. What you would like to hear us talk about or something on this show <laughs> we might do it or we'll just be like we're not doing that don't tell me what to do yeah never tell Chloe. she uh-uh. already knows uh-huh. and of course uh cooking with drag queens season three fry harder needs your support go to cookingwithdragqueens.com and if you want to see us uh fry food with uh <laughs> gender non-conforming artists in the kitchen with t.s madison t.s madison hinton's Gonna come to if Chicago. Don't know or check her out on Facebook or on YouTube. It, uh, amazing videos. Twenty-two inches of a weave, mm-hmm. nine-inch dick. That's thirty-one inches total of <laughs> charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent, honey. She oh, is, what fun! She is a, a star, and she's gonna come on uh, Cooking with Drag Queens and fry with us <laughs> with a nine-inch dick. Yeah, she's, yeah. The, she, she, she's she known as the big on, dick bitch. Is that sanitary? Fine. Oh yeah, honey. is that going to be used as like a rolling pin? She's uh, she's famous. She was she's been on the uh, the soup and uh, like she's a she's a big name in, in yeah. entertainment. And she loves so. what we do and she wants to come cook with us. Can now, you see her? She's dick not a drag online? queen. Uh, yeah, you can. Nice. I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards. <laughs> nice. uh, she's just, yeah. yeah. Twenty two uh, weave. Twenty two inches. New weave. New weave. If you're not wearing twenty two inches of hair, you're practically bald. <laughs> That's what she likes to say. Yeah. So yeah, you can uh, uh, you can uh, support Cooking with Drag Queens. Go to cookingwithdragqueens.com and make a difference. Thank you guys so much for listening, and thanks Colette, Brian, and Mark for being part of What the Track. It's time to beam out. Yes. Bye. 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 <laughs>